Happy Father's Day, and everybody, and welcome to this week's Summer Movie Club. I'm Zach Weiss, as always. I'm here with Adam, my brother. How's it going, guys? And in honor of Father's Day, we have a very special guest this week, Adam and I's father, Harry Weiss. How you doing? Uh, this week, we're going to be doing the 2001 film Pearl Harbor, as chosen by my dad. Uh, uh Directed by Michael Bay. This was uh, early in his directing uh, career, actually. When I looked it up, I thought he had been around much longer. But this was probably only like the... He had done Armageddon before and Bad Boys, I think, Adam. Is that what you have? Yeah. And before that, a lot of... Um, music videos. A lot of music videos in the, yeah. in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. And then, um, yes, Bad Boys... Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon, and then Pearl Harbor were the were the his first few movies. And uh, he, of course, is going on to do the Transformers movies. Oh, then... wait a minute! He directed Meatloaf's "I Do Anything for Love." That's awesome. Really? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> that's great. Um, he's kind of a genre of movie in himself nowadays with this type of kind of over the top, uh, quick cut action sequences and such. I said uh, to Zach um, when I was taking my notes that uh, I was going to count the number of lens flares that popped up because that's his, uh, I've, I, you can almost go blind watching the Transformers movie with all the lens flares in those movies. I have not seen a single Transformers movie. I've, sadly, I've seen a couple of them. The uh, movie was written by Randall Wallace, who wrote Braveheart, and uh, We Were Soldiers was another one of his notable movies. It seems like he's got his uh, wagon hitched to Mel Gibson because he's even... Uh, direct uh, connected to the new Passion of the Christ 2. He's supposed to be a screenwriter. Oh, wow. I just saw that pre-production Passion yeah. of the Christ Resurrection. Jesus Jesus Christ, literally. Uh, uh, main cast. You pretty much have uh, three main cast members in this. You have Ben Affleck playing Rafe McCauley, Josh Hartnett playing Danny Walker, and Kate Beckinsale playing Evelyn Johnson. There, it's a huge cast, but these are like the uh, you know the, the main ones. A quick synopsis for you. A tale of war and romance mixed in with history. The story follows two lifelong friends and a beautiful nurse who are caught up in the horror of an infamous Sunday morning in 1941. As always, that synopsis courtesy of IMDb. Uh, In terms of awards, it was nominated for four. Adam, did you have to listen for it? I bet that it won Best Sound Editing. What else was it nominated for? Uh, I have it won Best Sound Editing. It was nominated for Best Sound, nominated for Best Visual Effects, and nominated for uh, Best Original Song, uh, Diane Warren's There There You'll Be, um, which I honestly don't even know what the hell song I that is. I watched the movie. I'm sure it plays over the credits, but I couldn't mm. pick it out of a lineup. For yeah. it. Of those four Academy Awards it was nominated for, it it, it only won Best Sound Editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nominated for many more Razzie Awards that year. Sadly, it didn't win any of them. Cause it, it... No, it did because it ran into a juggernaut of Freddie Got Fingered. Oh, was that the same year? That was the same year. It was actually a big year for the Razzies. What else was uh, the... It was also the same year of Glitter, um, the Mariah Carey movie. So, Dad, do you know? Uh, do you know what the Razzies are, Dad? No, the Razzies are like a like an anti Academy Awards. It's like they award movies for being terrible. So, uh, for the Razzies that year, uh, Pearl Harbor was nominated for Ben Affleck uh, was nominated for worst actor. <laughs> uh, worst screen couple was Ben Affleck, Josh Hartnett, and Kate Beckinsale as a 
as a three-way. Worst screenplay for Ra- was Randall Wallace. Wor- worst remake or sequel. Uh, and worst director. And worst director, yeah, Michael Bay. So but again, it didn't didn't win any of them. It was a it was a big year for bad movies. You had Freddy Got Finger, the Planet of the Apes remake came out that year. You had Glitter. Uh, what else you got there? And let's be honest. I I mean, Dad, what's your opinion on this movie? Pearl Harbor. Yeah. What do you What do you think of the movie itself? As a movie. From beginning to end. Could have stood for a lot less romance okay. and a lot more action. All right, so we're all on the same page pretty much. I, yeah. I think my favorite review that I've read of this movie is it's a, it's 40 minutes of a good movie and like two and a half hours of trash. Uh, real quick before we get it, I, I had wanted to say before we get into it, uh, we were going to you know take the piss out of this movie a little bit at no point are we intending to make fun of anybody who died in Pearl Harbor attack or the seriousness of war and combat. I say we're just to... making fun of a poorly made film yeah. that happens to be about war. And uh, so we mean no disrespect to anybody, we, any uh, servicemen from past, present, future. We have all the respect for them, but this movie is not good. I say 2,403. Is that correct, Dad? Americans uh, died at Pearl Harbor? Yeah, 2008 Navy. 218 Army, 109 Marines, and 68 civilian employees of the Navy. And if I'm not mistaken, like, almost half of that were just on the Arizona alone. That's correct. Yeah. And are, and are still and, on yeah, the Yeah, they're still currently yeah. with the Arizona. Now, um, speaking of the Arizona, uh, currently above the, the Arizona wreckage... Is is it a Pearl Harbor Museum a memorial, or is it just a, a USS Arizona memorial? It's a USS Arizona memorial. Oh, okay. I've been there. Have you? Yeah. Now, Dad, my uh, for those who don't know, who probably everyone who doesn't know, uh, my dad, our dad was in the military. Our dad was in the Navy. Um, were you ever were you ever stationed around, or were you, were you just there visiting, or were you stationed in? That area, or were you just visiting when you went to the the memorial? I was part of an air crew that was flying some ops in the Pacific, Pacific, and uh, we took a break and went into Oahu for a couple of days. And one of the things we did as a crew was to go out to the uh, Arizona Memorial. Hmm. Was that like a uh, like a, you took it upon yourselves, or was it yeah. a? Uh... Yeah, when we decided that we were going to break in Oahu. Mm-hmm. said that that was one of the things we we're going to do um, amongst a lot of other things no which we won't go into <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh we'll get back into a little bit about the pearl harbor attack and everything in a little bit but firstly we gotta we gotta wait through a lot of a lot you can of... tell you can tell michael bay is an action director and this is this is really his first go at trying to make a a romance story of any kind and it Nothing about this really hits for me. No. Starting off with even just Ben Affleck's name, I just don't. I just I don't like the name Rafe. Every time I heard it, made my uh, made me wince a little bit. Um, I I had a I had an issue right off the bat with um this in the beginning of the movie. It starts off with young Rafe and young Danny mm. like playing in like a really super impressive like fake airplane. 
Um, it looks like it's built out of the husk of an actual um, an actual plane. Um, but then they get into um, is it Danny's? I don't even remember whose whose dad it is. If it, yeah, I forget. It's one of their dads. They get into his plane um, and then accidentally start it and take off a little bit. I have a hard time believing that two kids that are obsessed with flying so much don't know every single damn control in that cockpit. Like he, I don't, cause the way the way it's played is that he accidentally turns the engine over. Well, I don't because like this is the twenties. There's only been planes for like twenty years at this point. Uh, yeah, but still, like these kids are like they like that, that's uh, it seems like that's all they care about. Like, uh, it's yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, but I mean, how many? They're not going to be flying a plane. I know, but I, I would still imagine that. They would know at least what button turns if they're on. if they're that obsessed with it. They would like who's whichever one of their dads has at the end of the movie. Um, spoilers: Ben Affleck takes um, Josh Hartnett's son, little Danny, up into the airplane and mm-hmm. is flying with them. So I have to imagine that the dad did that with them. Whichever kid has dad had the plane. Um, I think it was Rafe's dad had the plane. Um, I, I, so I don't, I can't remember. Nah, it, it doesn't. It's it. But um, I, I have to imagine that whosoever dad had the plane would have brought them up, and they would have known this is the like. I know from I knew from a very young age what you had to turn to turn a car on. Yeah, I wouldn't get in a car and and just accidentally start driving it. No. Um, they go they go pretty much immediately from them being kids to them, um, in the service. With the first of uh, a handful of black and white transitions to color, yeah, which they are like he's very fond of that in the beginning of the movie, and then about a quarter of the way through, just completely drops it because there's two different newsreel transi- transitions from uh, newsreel into real life in the same way of black and white to color, and like and then this one, and then all of a sudden, just no more of that the rest of the, the movie. Yeah. Um. I had a question for Dad. Um, in the beginning, in the beginning of the movie, um, oh Amelia, Amelia is yeah. our, our, our unofficial guest. Uh, Maybe it's okay. Um, in the beginning of the movie, Dad, they're talking about how they need to go meet nurses. Are nurses like was was it, were were nurses like the only only girls that soldiers were allowed to date, or were they just like the only ones that were readily available? Where in Hawaii? At that point, yeah. At that point, they weren't in Hawaii. In the beginning, they right. before they all go out to Hawaii, they're they're talking about going out and meeting nurses. Um, and it just it's it just seems strange that like that's is like that was the only like I get if the nurses are only interested in going after servicemen, but I I I, I wasn't sure if it would automatically yeah, go officers. the other way. The nurses were interested in officers. Yeah. Which, if I'm not you know, mistaken, um, which is another question I had, because Ben Affleck in the movie is... Um, ben Affleck in the movie, people refer to him as lieutenant multiple times. Um, and then later on in the movie, um, Be- uh, Alec Baldwin as uh, Doolittle ref- um, tells them... Being very Alec Baldwin. Be- yeah, being very Alec Baldwin. He tells them that they've been uh, promoted to the rank of captain. Um, that was because of their actions at the at, Pearl, at Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have a maybe a little insight into why, uh, in this case, they're going to meet the nurses specifically. Is it possible that it was a organized thing between Evelyn and Rafe? They were going to meet each other and were bringing their friends along. So, oh, that probably specific... that probably Could... that probably was it. <laughs> well, if you remember, that's exactly what happened. Oh yeah, because they had met they... Rafe. The girls came in on the train. Yeah. And Rafe and Evelyn met up, and one of the other girls, I don't remember which, said, do you have any friends? At which point, Rafe introduced the other guys. Oh, that's right, because at that point, they were already in a relationship, because they had done the whole um, I, the whole song and dance with the during the physicals. Yeah, I have questions right. about the timeline. When, how long, I think she says three or four weeks when she's telling the story, that the, 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 the um their initial meeting had happened and then their meeting now, I didn't get the impression that they had seen each other in between. That's what it made it seem like too. Like maybe they had, which, which you be, I was, I was going to say the only thing I can imagine was maybe they were getting their physical before like a, like a boot camp type situation. But then how would Ben Affleck of already assume the rank of Lieutenant in the span of three weeks? Because they, when it started, they were cadets in flight school. Okay. And when you graduated flight school, you came out with the rank of lieutenant. Oh, okay. So basically, so if you, so if I'm not, so if I'm understanding that right, if you could basically fly a plane, you were a lieutenant. If you passed flight school, yeah. Okay. Okay. And how long wings. would at, at this time? How long would flight school have been? Back then, I yeah. couldn't tell you. Because. Yeah. Like I said, I, on, when she's telling the story on the train, it, I feel like she says it happened three or four weeks ago, which she we did, she did. very quick. She did. So yeah. that would mean that, that they've been they've known each other for three or four weeks. And it's as if they have had this long love affair, the way they are towards each other immediately. That's why I was confused about the timeline, because the fact that, like, they're so madly in love with each other when they meet up off the train, it, it, it would seem like they had a whole history together and not just one meeting where they drank uh, champagne on the steps of a government building. Um, I had a question specifically about that scene where they're drinking that date that they go on with the champagne. Um, do, do, would nurses in the military get a rank, Dad? Yes. Okay. Yeah, she has. They, they, she's referred to as a rank at some point. He the, he refers to her as lieutenant. Right. Yeah. So uh, is it like the same idea where like if you pass flight school you become you're a lieutenant. If you pass nursing school you're a lieutenant. Well, not necessarily. Yeah. You when you got to when you go into service you're already a nurse if you if you go in as a nurse. Oh, okay. And then you go through the ranks. And she, at that point, had attained the rank of lieutenant. Now, if they're if they're both tech, if they're both lieutenants, but like he's a he's a, he's a he's a pilot and she's a nurse. Do one of them outrank each other, even though they both hold the same rank of lieutenant? No, no, they like it's all. I was just curious if there was like a if a, if if someone who who would inevitably see combat. Would hold a uh, would be have some sort of seniority over someone who wouldn't, even if they were the same rank. No, and at that time, 
he hadn't seen combat. Yeah. Um, I remember there was something else I wanted to. As uh, one of one of the interchanges in the movie, "No Time for Sergeants," where uh, Nick Adams is talking to Andy Griffith after Andy Griffith doesn't know how to deal with a female uh, officer. And Nick Adams says to him, officer is an officer. Doesn't matter what sex they are. No. Hey, sorry guys. Had to take a uh, baby break. Uh, my daughter was not cooperating this time. Uh, we're coming back in. I just wanted to jump right back into during the break, uh, Dad and I. You guys were talking about the scene where Rafe is uh, told by Alec Baldwin, uh, Doolittle, is that his name? Yes, Colonel uh, Doolittle. That he's been accepted to go over to... England and, and uh, fly with the Royal Air Force against the in defense against the Germans. Um, in this scene, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Danny is in the room, right? No, no. Dan, I, I, he does. He Danny doesn't. Scene, yeah, he doesn't know about it yet. The scene with Danny and Rafe in the room with Doolittle was later on after the attack on. Yeah, the that's Harvard. the only time. No, 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 no. Because he, this, he's in the. They're in the office because they're being chastised for the little stunt they did with the planes. I think in I, a way, yeah. I think and I, I think Danny was dismissed though. Because Danny Maybe. doesn't I, find out about because I because that's what I was confused there's about. There's a scene I after there's... where Ben Affleck says to him that he's going, and but and Ben Affleck. So I was just, during the the little break. I was saying to my dad that um, I was doing research because I found it interesting that um, uh, before we were he was saying before America had joined the war, um, you know the the war was still going on in other places, and the United States airmen could volunteer to go join what was called the Eagle Squadron and fight in England. And um, so Ben Affleck was going strictly on a volunteer basis. It wasn't he was being told to go. He was, no, it was a volunteer basis, but he, that's how he spins it to, um, yeah, if you that's remember, how he spins it to Josh Hartnett is that he was, he's being told to go and that's that why I, Josh Hartnett can't go. I must have missed the the, the little dis, the, the dismissal because I, I it, when I'm watching the scene, I see him sitting on the couch in the office with the uh, uh, who who would be running the, uh, the his direct, I guess, superior would be running that whatever uh, training they were running out in, in the planes. They're both on the couch, and then I guess I missed the dismissal because to me the next thing that's happening is Doolittle telling Rafe that he's can, he's going to England. So when later when he tells when Danny's talking to Evelyn about Rafe going to England and she says that he went voluntarily and Danny says he was told he, he was assigned. I was like, wait a second. Like I thought he was in the room, but I, again, I guess I, I guess I missed it. Yeah. Uh, he, that was just between Doolittle and Rafe. Yeah. And I think it's specifically because um, I think Danny uh, says something about it later on in the movie after um, Ben Affleck comes back from England. Um, I think, the whole idea was Ben Affleck was is is trying to protect Danny the whole movie, mm. and he makes it. He he says that he was assigned so that Danny won't, you know, which going back Danny makes won't me hop on board and go across the pond with him. That the crop duster father would have been Danny's father then, because it would then follow along the logic. Because remember the kid, one of the kids attacks the father with a a board. So if if the whole theme of of their relationship is is Rafe. 
attempting to protect Danny, it would fit in line then that that was the first instance that were shown. Yeah. Was, anyway. was the, wait a second. Was the guy who gets hit by the board the guy who was crop dusting? No. It was what it was one of their fathers. Yeah, so oh, Danny... so that's what it was. It was Danny's dad. And that's when we find out that Danny's dad fought in World War One. And he was right yeah, so it's Rafe's dad who is the, the crop dusting pilot. And then Rafe hit Danny's dad with the propeller of their fake plane. Um, when he was when he was taking him away and smacking him, uh, that makes sense now. Um, before we get too far away for it, I want to point out th- throughout this movie, I'm going to be pointing out. I have in my list just people popping up in this movie that you recognize, and like you have to like I had to IMDb at least five or six actors in this movie to make sure that it was them. Mm. Uh, the first one of the first ones, well, the first one I noticed, I didn't know Jennifer Garner was in this. I had forgotten that. Um, the guy that um, one of the guys I forget exactly what he's doing when they're going through the medical uh, uh, when they're like you know when uh, Rafe meets uh, Evelyn, Evelyn. Yeah. one of the guys um, talking to a, a nurse or something I was like is that Rickety Cricket from Always Sunny in Philadelphia and I looked it up and it was so Rickety Cricket is in this movie. Oh, really? That's fun. Yeah, I can't remember what exactly he was doing. I can't remember what his his bit was in the the thing, but he's not the guy that he takes the uh, the paper off of to get the shot a second time. I know that much. But which is another question: what is what what shot would they be giving him that if he got two of them, it would make him lose consciousness? Well, that was a question of mine too. Vaccines normally don't do that. You can't really overdose on a vaccine. Is it only vaccines you'd be getting? There's no like kind of uh, any any type of vitamin boost or anything like that. It would just no, be- at that at that point they're getting their the vaccines for anything they might encounter, no matter where they go. When I went in, we received nine shots, six in one arm and three in the other. So not uh, slapsticky in the butt like in this movie. No, we got them in the arm. Uh, now, one, what, one, how they did it back then, I don't know. One of my notes him, is, is we got him in the arm. Yeah. One of my notes is uh, the is the character's name Red, right? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. His face when he gets the shot. By the way, you know that guy's Scottish. Yeah, he's um he's in the movie Train Spotting. He mm-hmm. he's the guy who um ha- he's the guy who uh shits his girlfriend's bed when the the heroin wears off. <laughs> I can't. I've seen Train Spotting once, and I, I yeah. I can't say I, I I remember much of it. Yeah. That'll that'll happen when you, your high goes out. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> heroin heroin is an opioid, which is uh, uh, works as a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's it called when you're when you when what's the opposite of diarrhea? Constipation. Constipation. There you go. The opposite of diarrhea. the opposite of diarrhea. <laughs> I could think of the, the word. Yeah, I, I know. Um, op- uh, opioids uh, do one of the side effects of opioids is constipation. And in fact, uh, in Train Spotting, Ewan McGregor talks about that because he, the only heroin he can get is a heroin suppository, and he his high is wearing down, so he starts to, his stomach starts to churn, and he has to go to the bathroom like two minutes after he's inserted the suppository that and it hasn't taken its effect yet, and um, he ends up pooping out the suppository, and then just reaching into the most <laughs> god awful toilet. Um, that's ever imaginable to get it out. 
because heroin is a hell of a drug, apparently. And this has been poop. This has been poop and heroin talk with uh, Zach Harry Knapp. <laughs> um, there was something. I feel like there is something else. Oh, um, the whole thing about about Rafe memorizing the eye chart. It kind of. Yeah. I had a. I, so this is pre. This is pre attack. So. This is while they were still can- flight candidates. Yeah, I know the, the the flight the the it would definitely keep him from flying if he. I, I don't I don't I don't think it's that he doesn't read. He can't read. I wrote that's, in my note. I think he's just dyslexic. That's that's what I figured. Because his explanation of why he doesn't do good with letters. Yeah, he says like he makes, he jumbles them up. Like dyslexia. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. In if if he's just going in to be a especially if especially post attack because if I'm if from what I always remember understanding in um, from school after the attack there was a big a big boom of enlisting oh, yeah. kind of like after um, after nine eleven if I'm not mistaken there was also that same big yeah. um, uh, a, a, a increase in people enlisting in that type of in in. In that type of situation, are they? Do you, would a, would a medical examiner overlook something like that? Not in the not in the aspects of of, a, of someone who's going to be flying, because that could be, are you talking pre war or post war? Like I'm t- I'm talking well I'm talking pre war in the situation that they're in, and then post attack. Yeah, realistically, you, no, they would know. The idea the idea that physical is to make sure not only that they're physically fit. But also that they're capable of protecting themselves and others. No. So if some no. some some doc slides them through, he's taking a chance that they're not going to be able to do what they need to do to protect themselves, and others could get hurt and killed too. True. So realistically, no. And not- that's why people were getting turned down because of ruptured eardrums and stuff that you say, well, what's the big deal about that? But. No. Anything that could possibly interrupt you from doing the job completely and thoroughly, no, you you weren't allowed to go because too much was at stake. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. I have another question about the process. Um, the one nurse, in fact, it's the one who Dad you referenced earlier that said, "Do you have any friends?" Um, she talks about how she lied about her age to get into the military. Yeah, that was Betty. She was the one that got killed. How mm-hmm. how easy is that? Like, because that seems like an incredibly difficult. Like, how I feel like it'd be easier back then. That's, well, that's it was I mean. a lot easier back then. You remember, records weren't easy to yeah get a hold of back then. But if Today, you're going, they... if they're supposed to be going in as a nurse and she's not of age to be in the military, wouldn't that mean she wouldn't be of age to be a nurse? Back the- in World War II, they took people and let them be nurses who hadn't actually graduated from nursing school. Would you have to be a student at least? Like, if, I know, like, uh, if you were, that helped. In the movie, she says she's 17. Yeah. Because she says when, because when Red proposes to her, she says, in, I think she specifically says in two years when I'm yeah, 19. 
So if she was 17, I graduated high school at 17 and I graduated high school early, um, earlier than most people do. So she would technically still be in high school if she was 17. Yep. So is she, was she also lying about her age and the fact that she had nursing experience? Probably. But again, records weren't weren't easy to access back then. And she could have, and also back then people were called nurse if they had some experience. Mm -hmm. Like if you, they had people who worked as a quote nurse, but never actually had formal training. And they were taken into the service because of a need. Today, you couldn't get away with it because all they do is Google you. Yeah, take yeah. your Social Security, I would imagine. Not everybody had Social Security back then. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but nowadays, I'm saying they would. Yeah. Um, taking a step away from the history aspect and getting into the not greatness of this movie... Um, did anybody else just have a little bit of problem with the accents, especially Ben Affleck's? I just I couldn't it, take him seriously. His accent, his accent, kind of seemed to to come and go. Like it seemed more severe in certain parts than it does in other. Um, it took away from what were supposed to be serious moments for me, like when he's he's explaining to Evelyn after the their night in New York. That he has to go to England tomorrow. He says tomorrow. Does and I was like, all right, no, I'm not taking out of it a bit. That's kind of adorable. I was like, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so the whole time, I was like, I, I don't know if it's just my built-in uh, like idea of Ben Affleck. No. And then hear him speak like that, it doesn't work for me. Or if it's just generally not a good accent. No. Um, I had a question specifically, um, referring specifically when, um, Ben Affleck is over in England. Um, first off, how shitty must it be where like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure it happened all the time, but he goes, when he finally, when he, when he reports to his commanding officer in England, um, the guy goes, all right, let me show you your plane. Oh, here it is. It's the one with the three bullet holes and the blood all over the windshield. Yeah, they were in the middle of, of. I guess they were in the middle of the blitz at that point. Yeah, they were in the middle of the shit. Like, but so I'm, so I'm sure it happened. But like, how shitty of a feeling must that be? Um, also, when Ed, right after um, they show him flying um, in basically in a dogfight, um, Ben Affleck has crosses on the back of his on like, but like basically starting below the cockpit, going towards the tail of the plane. I'm assuming those are those are uh, planes. He, those are counting the number of planes he shot down. Yes, that was a, a Nazi insignia. It was a insignia the Nazi Iron Cross. Oh yeah, I was about to say the Iron Cross. I say kind of. It did resemble. I, I have it, I have it listed as cross as a cross. Um, it was, but I it guess was it, an Iron Cross. Was it an Iron Cross? It, it looked yeah. it looked more simplistic than an Iron Cross to me. If you've I mean, seen other movies about the war, you've seen them. They not only carry Nazi flags, they carry flags with that, with the cross on it. Yeah. Also. I mean, Adam, I mean, the, the, I, in storyline-wise, it would be, you know, hand-painted onto the side of a plane, not like, well, stenciled or anything. Yeah, that's, so I'm, I'm that's sure they're true. not going to look, like, pristine. 
uh, what's his name later on in the movie? Um, what's the guy with the with the baseball hat with the brimfold? Gus, uh, Tom Sizemore's character. Yeah, where he he's yelling at somebody for painting lopsided boobs on the side of a plane. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a sergeant. He was the crew chief. He was the mechanic. Yeah, the head mechanic. Um. I I um I was just scrolling down through my notes and it's just, it just said Affleck down, um and then it kind of, it it sh- it shoots over back over to to Pearl the Pearl Harbor side of it, and they show um they show boxing on the deck of one of the the ships. W- mm-hmm. Was that mm-hmm. a, was that a common thing? <laughs> yeah, they were just they like, didn't they didn't have video games and TVs and all that kind of stuff aboard ships, so they did things like that. As recreation for the men, and like 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 the the the, the officers and higher ups were just were cool with that. Sure, it just eh. it just seems like counterproductive. Like they're there to to uh, help serve and protect, and you can't really do that when you're getting the shit kicked out of you. Um, no. I was saying they oh, good. They wouldn't have let it. They didn't let things get that far where it would take somebody out of commission out of commission to perform their duty yes yeah, so and i think uh uh cuba Gooding jr just ends up getting a few stitches above his eyebrow yeah but yeah. i was i was confused because um first off the, the the boxing scene has one of the the my favorite unintentional comedy moments of the movie when after cuba Gooding jr wins uh his uh corner man kisses the money and goes we're rich <laughs> oh yeah it's kind of a little weird <laughs> a little over the top um he goes to get stitched up um and he has again i was because he has blood on his uniform he's he's changed into his uniform and he has blood on it but he wasn't boxing in the uniform nobody he just probably dripped before he left ship he had to get into uniform you can't leave ship unless you're in uniform back then put, and he probably put dripped a, on it <laughs> put a put a bandit on that kuba <laughs> yeah um, I was saying to Zach, I was saying to dad, um, the other day, um, I, 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 I never paid attention that much when I had seen the movie before. It's probably been, I, the last time I saw this movie was, um, my sophomore year of high school. We watched some of it in, I think we watched the whole attack scene in American history. Um, dad, dad, did we see this in the theater together? We did. I, I I just I just distinctly remember seeing this movie, seeing this in the theater. I think that was the last time I saw this movie. Nah, um, I never noticed it. At the end, Kate Beckinsale does like the talk down of like what happened to everybody and stuff. I never realized that Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character is a real person. Mm. Absolutely, Doris Dory is. I think his name Dory is, Miller. Yeah, I think his real name's Doris, but he's referred to as Dory Miller. And he, in right. fact, was the first African-American man, first African-American to ever be awarded the Navy Cross. Right. Um, Which is the highest Navy uh, award. He, he's, he did, and he did exactly what he did in the movie. He was never trained on how to use any of the um, deck guns on the ship, but he, he, he saw the opportunity and manned a, a deck gun and shot down a few planes <laughs> during the attack. Um, he survived Pearl Harbor and later on, I believe, went to de- – he died uh, at another battle. He was on another ship in the Pacific Theater 
and um, ended up being the ship ended up sinking and he ended up dying. So he right. was also awarded the Purple Heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I was saying to Dad Zach the other day, I was reading. Um, I learned something very interesting. There's three. There's three basic things. Uh, there's three is like a three different uh, stages of building a boat for the military. Apparently, there's commissioning the boat there's laying no, there's laying the boat and then there's launching laying the, boat. the keel laying the keel is the first thing okay that the keel is the bottom of the boat yeah the bottom of the ship all right that's that's the first step and what did you say the third was launching well so when when basically what i'm getting at is i i in my research i saw that um one of the questions I had was how long was the um, how long was the aircraft carrier that they launched the Doolittle raid from, and how what's the comparison between the longest aircraft carrier now, and apparently the longest aircraft carriers in the present day military are Gerald Ford class carriers, right? And a uh, in two thousand third in two thousand twenty three they're going to begin construction on a Gerald R. Ford class carrier that will be, um, if I'm not mistaken, it will be launched by 2030, but it will be named, the long story boring, they're, in the near future, they're going to be building a aircraft carrier that is going to be named the USS Doris Miller, or Dory yes. Miller. So I was just kind of, I was kind of amazed that they, they took... They took little. They took details like that and, and threw them in. Like I like, you're you're already going on such a a grand scale of uh, tackling a historic thing like Pearl Harbor, and then you're also taking like the subtle, um, the little kind of liner notes like uh, someone like Dory Miller, um, and and you know doing him justice. Like I said, he he did could... he did exactly what Cuba Gooding Jr. did in the movie. He manned a gun and took down a few ship. It took down a few planes without. Ever being trained. They, didn't, they didn't show him doing as much as he did. If you, you say he took down a couple planes, they show him take down one in the movie. They show him take a gun and shoot down one plane. He I shot down like two. In the movie? In the movie, no. You only see him shoot down one. But yeah, if, I feel like if in reality, gonna, he shot down two. If you're going to take the time to put the real people in, I feel like they could have even done him more service than they, they did. Um, I had another question, actually, about Cuba Gooding Jr., um, just, I want to ask, it's specifically about during the attack. Um, I, I don't want to forget it. So I want to ask in, in the movie, Cuba, Gooding, well, in real life, Dory Miller was a cook. Mm-hmm. Um, what like, so he wasn't trained. He was never trained to use the gun that he used to shoot down the planes. So no. when in the event of an attack like that, and they're, you know, announcing on the ship, you know, everybody to their battle stations. What would be the battle stations for a cook? Well, his rating was steward. All African-Americans back then were stewards, which means they, they were cooks or they worked in the mess, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Uh, and for a steward, they would probably be assigned as litter bearers and messengers, things like that. Okay. So... If, so it's it's interesting that you said message bearers, because during the attack scene, Cuba Gooding Jr. finds his commanding officer, who's mortally wounded, 
and he says and the the commanding officer says to him to find whoever now would be assuming control um whoever would now be the who would who would be the next in line to to you know take be be in charge after he is obviously on death's door um and i was questioning like how official would that be like can you could could the commanding officer well, just grab anybody and go go find him and tell them what i said and it's and that's under those circumstances that's yeah. the last, last person he saw yeah to go to, go tell the xo <laughs> But it is interesting that you said they would be message carriers because that's literally what he does. <laughs> uh, um, that's not what he was doing at the beginning of the attack. Yeah. If you saw he was carrying a, a tea service tray or a coffee service tray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means he was probably coming from the officer's mess and had just served coffee. Um, what was I? So a couple things leading up right up to the attack. Um uh, Ben Affleck. You know they they get the the notification that Ben Affleck uh, died. Um, before Ben Affleck leaves, he says to Josh Hartnett, "If anything happens, he wants um he wants Josh Hartnett to be the one to tell Kate Beckinsale what happened." Um, is that is is that would that be commonplace, Dad? Like if. Say, say, you know, you you had a, a a friend who you were close with in the military, and you were both in the military. He went off to some assignment and ended up dying, but wanted you to tell his wife or whoever that he had died. Would that be would that would that be a thing, or would they just would it be? Is is there someone whose job that specifically is? There's somebody whose job that is, and they notify the family. So, like, there wouldn't even neither, be the option of neither you. Neither Danny nor Evelyn were family, so they wouldn't have received any official notification. So there, Danny probably found out because the squadron was notified. Gotcha. Now, would you have listed a next of kin, though? That, sure. um So, it's it's theoretically possible that he would have listed Danny. Possibly, because they indicate that they really didn't have any relatives at that time. Yeah, say so like if I go and if I go to the ER, I have to list an emergency contact, and right. I could list Zach if I wanted to. Um, yeah, but why would you want? Yeah, that? seriously. <laughs> um, I have my phone on vibrate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I had a note saying why didn't they know? Why did it take them three months to find out that Ben Affleck was wasn't dead? But yeah, then they explained they explain that. It, yeah. Well, if you remember what he said was yeah. he got Caught. picked up by a French. Rit- uh, fishing ship, yeah, which took him to France, which was and occupied. It took the underground, yeah, occupied France, which took the and it took the underground all that time to get him out of France and back to England. Yeah. Speaking of the, the three months, they get right into the. As soon as he's he dies, he he tells Evelyn that Rafe, uh, Rafe has died, and then I again. As before with the the Rafe and Evelyn relationship at the beginning, I get the impression they don't see because they mentioned that they've been avoiding each other. So they Danny, Danny, Danny and, and Evelyn, Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. So the next time they theoretically would see each other and and interact in any meaningful way would be when they you know have coffee or whatever, right? And then the next, I feel like the next day he's talking about how he's he's pretty much in love with Evelyn when they they're they're fixing up they're they're uh, aligning the the uh the guns on the the plane 
when she he comes was the whole first. time. That's why they avoided each other. You think? When he, when he yeah, told her about that's what it, I would assume. You mm, could, there okay. was some. You could tell there was an exchange of feelings there. Why does she come to the she she come to the see him at the plane just to to see him? Because it really doesn't seem like she shows up. Everyone disperses. They have a brief conversation, and then she says she has to go meet up with people. Was she just coming to the the plane to? You know, just to see him for a second, yeah. Under the guise of of what, like, <laughs> which never would have happened. No, yeah. I, uh... the, especially the way she was dressed. That you yeah. would have known what the hell are you doing on our in our hangar, lady. Uh, speaking of this, I don't want to bypass the fact that uh, I mean he's been in the movie before at this point, but uh, this is a, a Michael Shannon sighting. Yeah, we uh, we talked in depth about Michael Shannon's career when we did the. Uh, Shape of Water podcast, so that's just another one of the people popping up. This and was it, it, Michael Michael remembering... Shannon invented the modern uh, modern surfboard in this yeah. movie. Apparently, <laughs> I had, I keep remembering how like what year this movie came out because a lot of these people that I'm seeing, I recognize from things afterwards. Yeah, um, and I like it's it's interesting to see this this large group of people that have gone on to do other mainstream things. Like later on in the movie, we see. Um, the guy that is is, is uh, charged to help train to, to to lighten the planes when they're doing the, the when they're about to I, I training at, for the Doolittle raid. I looked it up raid. too. He's in Sons he's, of Anarchy. Uh, yeah, it's Kim Coates from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Played played Tig in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah again, a decade before. Yeah. Um, There's I, people all through this like that. I wanted to um, I wanted to pose a question to you guys. Um, so so far through this movie. Um, uh, we've seen two, two romantic dates with Kate Beckinsale. We've had Ben Affleck stealing a police boat and, um, hanging off the side of a cruise liner. (laughs) And then we have flying in the, flying during the Hawaiian sunset and sex in the parachute room. Which I have in my notes. Is this the most romantic, um, sex scene taking place inside a parachute hanger? I say, which, which, which sounds like a better date? Stealing a police boat and hanging off, hanging off the Queen Mary, or flying in the sunset and sex in the in the parachute room. <laughs> Which also, why do they? Is that really how they store parachutes? Not now. Back like, then they did. Yeah, they just hung them up. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Get all what? the wrinkles out to dry them if they happen to have any moisture in them. I feel like. I don't know. I don't. Maybe just be. I've never actually seen a, a parachute in real life. I just know what I've seen what they look like in movies. I just always assume you know they're in that backpack until you pull the cord. <laughs> yeah, but somebody they got to get in that backpack. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's true. Have, you got to get them in there first, right? In the navy, you got a rating known as a parachute rigger, and that um, was their job. And an interesting sideline: parachute riggers. When I was in parachute rigger. Had to jump the first uh, shoot they packed. Oh, just on the off chance that they screwed up, just to make them pay attention. I like that. That's, that's pretty. It's kind of like the idea of like a baker's dozen. <laughs> you you got to make you got to pay extra attention and throw an extra one in there just in case. You got to you got to be the first one to uh, to test your to test your own parachutes. I like that. Um, what? Wait, wait. Go ahead. What do you guys think of Dan Aykroyd in this movie? I think he's a little out of place. Yeah, he uh, he seemed like 
he seems only to be because you know the other roles he's played. Yeah, yeah but there's Dan Aykroyd was the best fit for this role. Yeah. I think he played it pretty well. I think he did a good job. Considering, yeah. Considering, yeah. But um, right around um, right around this time, I mean, I mean, Ben Affleck's come back. He's, um, you know, he's obviously not dead. They figure out what happened. He's kind of, um, kind of passively aggressively cheers uh, Josh Hartnett at the bar. They well, get into a the fight. Scene, the scene where he comes back and and the first very first scene where he's met up with Evelyn, and they're talking outside and he's putting it together that that like through her subtle you know uh, clues that there's somebody else now. Yeah. And then Danny shows up and he puts together that it's Danny. This, I have in my notes this. If you watch it, they they both all three of them are just for some reason just like slack jawed, open mouthed. <laughs> Like I have, uh, this is the finest open mouth acting I've seen in a long well, time. Well, Danny wasn't looking for Rafe. Yeah, well, Danny yeah. was going to tell Evelyn that he got a telegram saying Rafe was alive. Right. I, I I don't have a problem with why he was there. My my problem was the acting choice where they're all just mouth agape. Just. Well, I mean, what 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 else can you really do in that situation? What do you say, what do you do? close your jaw? Yeah, you true. Uh oh. <laughs> um. So, you brought up the hula bar. I would go to a hula bar. That looks like a good time. That seems, that seems interesting. Up until the fight. Um, Ever been to a hula bar, Dad? Was that on your uh, itinerary when you guys were in in Hawaii? I've been to bars in Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> now, my question is... I don't remember them being called hula bars. At, when, when they're at the bar and they start the fight, none of them... The, the people specifically fighting aren't in uniform. Some of them. No, well, specifically, because the whole fight starts between Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck. Right. And then the whole bar gets involved. So and Some of them were in uniform, some of them weren't. So, I mean, I must I, I, I get... Officers were, officers were allowed to wear civilian clothes. Enlisted men weren't. Okay. Enlisted man who was not at his, uh, on his ship or at his duty station had to be in uniform. Officers were allowed to, uh, when they were off duty, wear civilian clothes. So, I mean, aside from aside from the enlisted men who are wearing uniform, which is why the bartender calls the MPs, wouldn't you, like, just looking at Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett fighting, it just looks like two random guys. I assume that this, are there. Was a, this was a bar that was just, like, it was, it was understood that everybody in that bar was military. Yeah, I, yeah. I assumed it was right off base, and you now, might have your 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 stray, you know, local. But I I would assume that this was understood to be a military. Now here's bar. my question: If so, the MPs come to come to the bar when the fight breaks out. Would does an MP have the authority to arrest a civilian? Like if they're like you said, like there might just happen to be there might happen to be like one or two locals. If in, a local a civilian, non-military in a civilian setting, no, no, no. That was cute. Was <coughs> the, fact like, that, the fact that local authorities weren't called because normally in a situation like that, they would call local authorities and. That was my question: is because like, the only people that show up are the MPs. Like I would. 
people that the bartender requests to respond. Yeah. Um, don't do a whole lot of arresting because if you notice, everybody pretty much scatters. <laughs> yeah. That's like how it's like it's like a it's like a high school party. The cops show up and everybody hops the fence and runs down the block. Pretty much, and if you run right past the MP, you might get grabbed. But two MPs are not going to chase a whole bar full of people who scatter. Yeah. Um, this pretty much brings us up to when this movie becomes a good movie. You know, let's just pause for a second. My note: it's an hour and a half into this movie. I have it as one <laughs> hour and twenty-two minutes in. Yeah, exactly. And it's, from it's, the time, because I, I I started from the the end of the scene where Rafe and Danny are in the car. It transit. The next scene is the day of preparations of the Japanese for the attack. So oh, I see so you're, you're I, I starting it there. That, yes, because from that point up I, until I pretty the much. Of, I think I started it from when the first Japanese torpedo hits. The I, water. I have it from because because <laughs> it takes a from the. As soon as that scene's over with Danny and Rafe, it becomes a tense, well-made uh, action movie. Action movie. Yeah. I just like the. Um, I think my favorite part of the whole, um, the whole like preparation and just everything that involves the higher-ranking members of the Japanese military is just um, someone hands. I'm assuming he's the general. Um, hands. That was Admiral Yamamoto. Admiral Admiral Yamamoto. That's uh, I knew. It was, I I knew. I knew. I there. I I was supposed to know the name. Um, someone hands him a paper, and he kind of just turns and says, "We have achieved surprise." It's just very. Is is it a very? That's, what real? What happened in real life was, uh, the person who was, um. Commanding the attack force, mm-hmm. okay, was um, an officer named Gendo. And when they realized that they had attacked Chief Surprise, which basically was them getting over the island of Hawaii and nobody challenging, yeah, he sent back a message Torah, 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 which is attack, 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 right? Right. And and not Janet, uh his name was Captain Fushida. Um, and that was what was written on that paper. Hmm. In in the in the movie Tora Tora Tora, you actually see a sailor come on the bridge and everybody turns around and looks at him and he looks at Yamamoto and says, Tora Tora Tora. I just remember uh, the entertainment center in our family living room, uh, the one cabinet being filled with VHS tapes, and I always remember seeing Torah, 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 and yeah, never better. never knowing what the hell it was until realizing that it was a movie about that. <laughs> um, I why is I I don't think this is historically accurate. I've, I've looked uh, something I read the other day. Uh, I, I can't find it, of course, now as I'm looking for it. Uh, maybe uh, led me to believe it wasn't accurate. Why is the entire uh, attack planned outdoors for the Japanese? <laughs> like from what I saw, one of the, the problems that the Japanese who knows where had it was, was who yeah, really knows where it was, planned. which means it's a very specific artistic choice then to yeah, have to... everything in 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 
or what were they trying? What was Michael Bay trying to convey there by having everything? Was it some sort of something about the Japanese, or was it just a this would look cool if we did well, it in a tub outside with the, the a lot of those a lot of those scenes were aboard ship and compartments aboard ship. There were a lot of people involved, and compartments aboard ship were pretty uncomfortable if you filled them up with people. Yeah. So none of these scenes in the movie are on a ship. They're like they're, there's definite uh, artistic architecture. It almost seems the- like they're it, it it almost looks like the the vibe I get is that they're off in like a a field somewhere in rolling hills and <laughs> they just have this huge pool of battleship replicas and um like it's it it, it did seem very very strange, but eh, it's what it's it's whatever. At um, the end of the day, this this is a very. I mean, this is what Michael Bay does. This is action sequences. This this yeah. whole because I have the scene, um, ending, um, at one hour and fifty nine minutes. The the whole sequence. So we're talking thirty seven minutes, intense, uh, well paced, well shot. Because this is before he got all jumpy, like he does in the, like the Transformers movies, where you can't tell what's going on. Yeah, like you like it's very well done. Like I like I said to uh i've told you adam the other day i have in front of me nine pages of notes and of the nine pages i think i have here like four individual notes four or five individual notes here are about this sequence because i was so wrapped up in it and there's there's very little to nitpick about it like it just the my my major problem and i feel like this is a problem the movie has what do we think about the i think world war ii just started Line. I, I think that, that I have well, World War Two had been going on in Europe since 1939. So had that, that was my question. Had, were they was it being referred to as World War Two while it was going on? Not no. All right. Referred to I, as the European War. All right. I just feel like this movie takes like home run swings at lines throughout. Uh, what was the other one I have in my notes that um, specifically? Uh, do, 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 do. uh, when, um, when Ben Affleck says the line when they're training for the Doolittle raid, um, where he says this is the type of mission where you win medals, but they send them to your relatives. Yeah. I, again, I feel like it was very like very it seemed cool. it like seemed like they were for that iconic war movie line. Yeah, it seemed like they, they were writing lines specifically for the trailer. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, my my main problem with the entire the, that that's my one problem really with the was well, yeah it's, it's well done to the point where when one of the ships is torpedoed, the torpedo goes out and then it cuts to a wide shot of the ship, and you see like you can still see as it's like uh, coming in the torpedo line in the water like it's very well done in terms of just filmmaking like the detail yeah. is very well done. Um, but again, it's forty minutes of a three-hour movie, and now, the rest is not. I, I, the do, some of the Doolittle stuff is good, uh, but at that point, I feel like, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they kind of exhausted me with the the Pearl Harbor attack sequence to the point where I couldn't really connect with the rest of the movie. No, you know what I mean. I um. I I was was in in my research I was reading is I 
the the whole the whole uh, attack sequence is approximately forty minutes. Um, in real life, the the actual attack wasn't that much longer. The actual attack was, if I'm not mistaken, an hour and fifteen minutes long. Uh, no, actually, I believe it was a little over two hours. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was uh, three waves, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or was did they, in the movie they talk oh, about calling I'm, off the I'm third sorry. wave? I'm sorry. It, the attack was an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. Right on the head there, huh? Okay. Um, so I was, I was like in, I, I, um, I, I thought that was it was, I almost, I, 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 I kind of would have liked to have seen the movie where they made the attack sequence the length of the actual attack. I would I would have liked to have seen that artistically. Um, mainly just so it would have been half an hour less of the shitty love story. Um, yeah, because they get right back into it. Yeah. Um, and if you'll remember, there was reference made, I don't know if anybody caught it, that it was actually the United States that fired the first shot in World, in, of our involvement in World War II. They, uh, they uh, attacked, they like, they... Destroyed a Thank submarine, you. right? Or, submarine, right. Yeah. So they had actually, we actually fired the first in. in we we actually fired the first shot yeah. of that whole thing. Can you uh, enlighten us a little bit in terms of the motive for the attack? Because the movie, I guessing to simplify things, would have you believe it was a purely premeditated aggression where everything I've read everything I've read in terms of attacking the United States for the sole purpose of war with the United States where everything I'm reading seems to point that it it was partially that but also partially just to prevent United States intervention in their um, ongoing uh, uh, what's what's the word Uh, ongoing attempts to uh, take British and French colonies in the Pacific. So it was not necessarily a... Um, Basically, the United States was, was starving and strangling Japan. That We had an oil embargo. At that point, they had maybe 18 months left of oil for the entire country. I think they, they mentioned needed, that in the movie, actually. They needed all of that... Um, all, those tar- all the places they went after... China and uh, the Philippines and all, they were rich in natural resources. And that was their goal. The reason they went after the United States was Admiral Yamamoto had read a book uh, by a uh, gentleman named Hector Bywater. And he was a British guy and he had written a fictional account of uh, a clash between the United States and Japan that begins with the Japanese destruction of the U.S. fleet. Mm-hmm. And then proceeds with the, the Japanese attacking Guam, the Philippines, and all that. Well, in 1940, the British attacked the Italian fleet at Toronto and destroyed the uh, the Italian fleet. Mm-hmm. And this convinced Yamamoto that the fictional account that Bywater had written could actually become a reality Hmm. and so when the higher ups uh, 
and and the goal of their attack was remember they thought they were going to find the aircraft carriers there too mm-hmm. and if they had and they had taken out the aircraft carriers we would have been screwed we were done yeah yeah they would in have fact, been landing i don't they think would i have took been landed note. in in california i don't think i took note of it um but there's a, a specific scene in the movie where the um there's a line there's like a line or two in the movie i, I think dan Aykroyd is part of the exchange maybe where the the carriers are ordered away from Pearl Harbor for something. I don't remember what exactly they're like they're they're ordered out for like exercises or something like that. Um, there, there's a lot of conspiracy theories regarding that, and the theory, one of the theories is that Roosevelt knew all of this was going to happen, and the the, the carriers were ordered out of Pearl Harbor because. A very few people headed by Roosevelt knew that Pearl Harbor was going to happen. And, but like I said, they're conspiracy theories. None mm. of it's ever been proven. Yeah. Um, where? Oh, uh, when they so uh, Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett finally mobilize and get everybody to the airfield um, where they, they inevitably, uh, I guess you would say, stage their. Um, stage their um defense um the his name's gus the 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 guy dad you said he was the the lead mechanic um it's just 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 firing wildly into the air with a pump action shotgun like probably the most probably the most ineffective weapon to try to take down an airplane with i mean it was for dramatic yeah um my question is how many people does it take to prep a plane to take off? Depends on what condition it's in before. So the guy, Gus, specifically says he's like, this one needs ammo, that one needs fuel, and I think he says this one needs fuel too. Uh, he said one of them was ready to go. He pointed at another one and said that one needs more ammo, and he pointed to a third one and said he's not ready. Okay. So – because I, I, it seems like a lot of people go running in the direction of the planes, and like every time I see, um, like on like pictures of like video of of air of planes taking off of carriers, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts going on. I mean, I'm assuming with a carrier there has to be. I mean, you're take you're 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 flying a how many multi million dollar piece of machinery off of a moving object in the middle of the ocean. There's got to be a lot of moving parts, well, but like there's back, a lot. Back then, they were only forty five thousand dollars. If you, yeah. <laughs> oh, I looked that up. It was like, um, where did it come out? I think I think it was like uh, seven hundred fifty thousand, give or take. It was the uh, was the uh, the uh, um, what's the word? I'm I I can't land on um, change rate. I guess for lack of a better word, between now and then. No. Um. Most of, a lot of those guys that were running out toward the planes were pilots. They were trying to get the planes off the ground. Yeah. And thanks to General Short, they were easy to take out because they were all bunched up. He specific, I, they specifically said that in the movie as well, that all the their aircraft were, were bunched up to avoid sabotage. Because they believed they're, they're that easier that to protect. Because that was 
what they believed was the biggest threat. Yeah. They didn't believe they could be there could be a torpedo raid on Pearl Harbor because it was too shallow. They had mm. he said they had submarine nets to, so they didn't think any subs could get into the harbor. So they their biggest threat to them was sabotage. Uh. Because there were a lot of Japanese people that lived on Hawaii at that time. Um, and as a artist, the dentist yeah, they call the dentist and they ask him like about the weather and what he can see out his window well, and stuff. He had been a spy the whole all along. Oh, he was legitimately a spy. Yes. Oh wait, no, yeah, the oh, movie doesn't no, make no, that clear. There's there there is there's there's two different people. There's the dentist who has the case with the very obvious camera, and then there's the guy oh. who they call and ask him about look to look out his window. That guy seemed like a un like a like a reluctant spy like he had no like he was just getting a phone call and someone happened to speak japanese and ask him what he could see out his window but there was the guy who was legitimately the spy there were a lot of spies yeah um uh i think uh uh something that uh was something that was interesting to me coming from uh, a sense of coming from a world of working in uh, EMS. Um, if, uh, if there's ever a ma- basically a, the, a mass casualty incident, the way I was taught a mass casualty incident is anything that can't be handled by one ambulance, basically. So you can put, sure. you can put two people in the back of an ambulance, realistically, two injured people in the back of an ambulance. There's the, the stretcher that the, the patient would be normally lying on. And there's also a bench, that you could lie another patient on and the, uh, the, the caretaker would sit in the captain's chair that's uh, in the treatment area. So this is definitely a mass casualty. I mean, the, yeah, on steroids. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So <laughs> um, in the event of a mass casualty incident, um, certain people, certain injured people get overlooked. They get black tagged is what it is, is what it's referred to. So well, that's good. That's what Evelyn was doing. That's, and that's it. That's what Evelyn. She's she's basically black tagging people with a with a stick of lipstick. She's. It's called triage. Yeah. Um. I, if so, the, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've since I've um, since I've since I've studied. But there's yellow, red. There's is there there's a there's a completely fine. Is it white? White, yellow, red, black. I don't remember, but back yeah. then they didn't have anything like that. Yeah, um, I, I but I gotta say it's probably it, I I've I've never had to I've never had the the pleasure of uh, of uh, assigning tags to a triage situation, <laughs> but I have to imagine it's one of the shittiest jobs you could possibly have because you're essentially you're she's essentially choosing who gets to live and who get and who's who's gonna die. Um, in that in that situation, in that situation, yeah. yeah. You you would have today as an EMS you would never be in a situation where you were going to say put him in the corner and give him morphine because he can't make it. Yeah, you're going to you're going to try to save everybody. You're going to prioritize as to who was more injured than somebody else. But back then it was a matter of scant reason. You saw them taking blood uh, into a coke bottle. Yeah, I had that. I had that as what I'm going to do. Is like that's probably one of that's probably going to do some somebody some real good. So, in a situation like that, it's it's overwhelming. Yeah. And at one point, the Jennifer Garner character said, "I don't know what to do," and I guarantee yeah. you, nobody did. Yeah. In a situation was, like that. In that whole situation, um, 
I, I really like what they, the, the choice to, to parallel what was happening in the Harbor with what was going on in the hospital with the effect that they put on where they kind of like haze the edges out and like blur the edges out of the, the shot. Um, it, it, it kind of showed that like basically what was happening in the hospital was just as chaotic as what was going on mm-hmm. with the attack. Oh yeah. And I say at, at a certain point, like I had to look away from it just because like, at a certain point, it started to get very, like, swooshy <laughs> and very, like, fast-cutty, like how Michael Bay got with, like, mm-hmm. the, the Transformers movies. And the combination of that, like, quick movements and that haze was starting to make, like, my head hurt a little bit. Um, uh, all Everything that was going on during the attack was going on simultaneously. Yeah. And in the movie, he's trying to show you as much of what was going on in... A short period of time. Yeah. Um, that was the, the airfields were being bombed at the same time. The ships were being bombed, and uh, the the strafing was going on at the same time. You know, the whole the whole attack was taking place simultaneously. Yeah. They didn't say, well, "Let's go get the ships, then we'll go to the airfields, then we'll strafe the civilians." It was it was all going on at the same time. Um, Adam, but did you recognize the guy that um, uh, uh, Evelyn puts her finger in his wound, and then he ends up? He's the one that lets her into the. Um... Yeah, he's the guy. Um, he's the guy who is the reluctant, uh, reluctant assistant of the the, uh, lust, the lust murder uh... in Seven. Yeah, um, I just I just chiming in with another yeah, another no, like guys. hey, it's that person. <laughs> Um, um, it's around this time in my notes that Ted McGinley shows up too. Ted, who was, Ted McGinley? Ted, he's uh, I forget exactly what his role in the movie is. He plays a a, a, uh, a, a, a an officer, but he's the guy who played the neighbor on Married with Children. The blind guy. Oh yeah. I forget exactly. I I didn't write in my notes specifically that uh what he he does i it's, it's a, amongst my um my notes talking about the post attack scene um fdr mm. stuff so i'm assuming he's in there somewhere but i, I did was like holy shit that's ed mcginley <laughs> what do we is i when uh john voight first showed up as fdr i was like i'm, I'm on board with john voight as fdr but by the end of it i don't think i was on board with john voight as fdr for some reason I mean, I it from of of the mental picture that I have of FDR, um, he 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 like he fit the the look fairly well, like not perfectly, but like he fit that like FDR. If I like if, in the mental image I have, he's very like he has like a, a square jaw and like he kind of mm. he kind of has well, like a. I'm sure you've seen pictures of FDR. Well, that's what I mean. Like the the I, I have a the, the the picture that I have of him saved in my head is like a picture of like from from like a history uh, textbook. I, I'm not even I'm not even specifically talking looks like because you know they, there's a makeup yeah. job here. They do a fine job of it, but I just like I don't know something about the the performance as it went on. I was like uh, I, I don't know I, I don't know. Remember, it was a lot of dramatic. Yeah, a lot of a lot of dramatic liberties taken. 
Um, during the whole uh, exchange after the attack with FDR, um, someone makes a note that uh, if the Japanese were to attack the mainland, they would penetrate as far as Chicago before anyone that's, could stop that's them. That's if they had. That's if and they you had would, taken out the carriers. I say you and you had just said that if the carriers, if they had taken out the carriers, they would have landed in California. Do you think that you, do you, and there was nothing we nah. had nothing to stop that that was our Pacific fleet was at Pearl Harbor yeah I mean it wasn't a Pacific fleet in California the Pacific fleet was in Hawaii yeah um I have a couple questions um kind of physics wise I guess you would say um because after that um it snowballs into uh Ben Affleck and um, Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett being promoted to captain by uh, Colonel Doolittle, who is a colonel, correct? Colonel Doolittle, yeah, yeah, Colonel Doolittle. Um, them training for the for for the for the raid and everything. Um, right before Alec Baldwin orders every man on the line, it looks like Josh. The wheels of Josh Hartnett's plane are just coming off the ground. Just past the red line, but that had to come off. Just past the red line was the ocean. But that's my question: if if how like the deck of the the deck of a carrier has to be a substantial height off the off the water, right? Yeah. No, for, forgive me for not paying enough attention. Are we? Is this a carrier? Where? Or is it? A, is it a, a the ship that they're they're yeah. launching from? Or is it a? another type of ship that they're using for this because if it is a carrier why is no, it was the, there not enough room for them to take it off it was the USS Hornet yeah why because just like today there's no carrier that can catch or launch a P3 that those bombers were just bigger so it's than the type a, than, of plane they were trying to launch from it that yeah. was the issue because yeah. okay. the size of it you need a certain amount of momentum to to build up and the Again, uh, me yeah. just missing something. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if it was because an aircraft carrier would be too conspicuous. They were attempting to. No, no. It was just the fact that the planes are the planes are aren't made to be launched from carriers. Gotcha. My question okay. is: if you take a plane off the edge of a carrier, and it's just at that point, like where Josh Hartnett's wheels just come off the off the 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 tarmac past the red line. If you take a plane off the edge of a carrier and it's that exact situation where the wheels are going to come up the second you clear that line, wouldn't, would, would the downforce of going off the deck, wouldn't that kind of make, put you into like almost like a, like a, is it a parabola, the, the ups and downs? Wouldn't it kind of like that, that downward force kind of give you the, no, no. the, the, the lifting? The thing need? was, they had to be all. All wheels off the ground before they hit the red line. Once they hit the red line, if any of the wheels were still on the ground, it was too late. They were they had gone too far. Okay. The wheels had to be how, off the ground before they hit the red line. How high from ocean to tip of of carrier? Like how? What type of height? Yeah, that's what, like from from the surface of the water to the deck of the to the deck of the ship. What is like? It's got to be 
About ten stories. Yeah, I say it's got to be multiple stories. Now, is that in this situation death if they fall off the end of the the carrier? Yeah. Is it? it what is it? What death? Because it's made clear to them that if they cannot take off before they hit the the red line, they're dead. Oh, again, dramatic. Yeah. No, that's why I was. That's why I was asking no, if it plane, was a, dish- a certitude or. Planes ditch in the ocean all the time, and it's not necessarily that the crew or pilot isn't killed. I mean, shit, Ben Affleck got yeah. shot down and crashed in the water, and he survived. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was curious. Um, I was curious uh, about the the size of ships. Um, so the USS Hornet. Always, always curious about the size of the ship. The USS Hornet, which they launched the raid from, is eight hundred and twenty-four feet long. Mm-hmm. The largest, um, the largest aircraft carrier in modern military, which I believe is, I don't, and I don't know if it's referred to if it is the USS Gerald R. Gerald R. R. Ford, or if it was just like we were saying earlier it, that that's a class of um, carriers, well, Gerald there is, R. Ford. There is the first one of the class is is the Gerald yeah. R. Ford. Yeah. So that one is one thousand one hundred and six feet long. Um, so my, I'm, my, I, I'm, I have the whole like question of like how like aircraft carrier, the, how the whole, the whole raid thing works. Cause it, uh, Alec Baldwin says, um, he's going to teach them how to fly the bombers like fighter, like fighter planes. Cause that's what normally flies off of a carrier. Yeah. So if, if you can fly, if you can like, if, my understanding is if you can fly a single propeller fighter plane, you can't fly. Like, you don't automatically know how to fly, like, a, a dual-engine bomber. Correct? Mm. Like, I mean, the, I'm sure, like, I don't know how to drive a tractor-trailer. I know how to drive a car. So I'm sure once I know the nuances of getting it into gear and everything, I'm sure I could pull it off. So I'm sure it's not like it's it's yeah. it's not like comparing apples and oranges. It's like comparing like Red Delicious and Granny Smith. Um, Pi- pilots are trained in uh, what, for lack of a better word, certified in the aircraft they're flying. Okay. If they switch to another aircraft, they go through training on that aircraft. But remember, it- they they all have. The, same, the principle of flight is the same with regardless of the type of aircraft. Yeah, and they all know the principles of flight. Yeah. What they have to learn is the particular, the specifics of the particular aircraft they're flying. Yeah. Um. The um, Alec Baldwin has the. It goes into the um, what Zach was saying earlier. With the uh, the super dramatic lines and like the the like swinging for the fences with the with the uh, with the the war movie lines, um, they ask uh, during the briefing before the raid. Uh, Doolittle says that their plan is to um, to bomb Japan and then land in friendly areas of China. Um, and somebody asks him what would happen. What happens if? Um, what happens if, like, you bail out over Japan? What happens if you're captured? Something, and something is asked. I don't remember exactly what's asked, but the idea is, like, what happens if there's a malfunction with the plane? 
And the guy said, what do you do? He said, what yeah. I would do is have the crew bail out and then find a nice, juicy military target and fly my plane right into it because I'm not built to be a prisoner. Yeah. So the whole briefing, Doolittle starts it off with saying how they don't want him flying in the raid. Can't right. If they didn't want him to, to fly in the raid, can't they just order him not to? Yeah. I mean, so if I, I had this, I had this question um, when we did the, the Forrest Gump podcast, um, I had actually texted my dad after I had watched Forrest, while I was watching Forrest Gump, um, specifically for the scene where Lieutenant Dan orders Forrest to leave him be when he's, when they're wounded, when he's wounded in Vietnam. Um, and I was asking whether or not, um, whether or not Forrest could be reprimanded for disobeying that order of, of not saving him. Um, I can understand if, if, if I tell you, if, if someone tells Colonel Doolittle to attack and he doesn't attack, then that's, that's obviously grounds for, for, for being reprimanded. But if they tell him not to, if they tell him that they don't want him to take part in the raid personally, and he does anyway, would he still be, would he still be able to be like charged for something? Back then, everything was at that point in the war. Everything was seated to pants. Yeah. And if I don't, I don't know. In my estimation, I don't think Doolittle expected to come back, and so his thought was. What are they going to do to me? <laughs> yeah. All right. But back uh, then, just, if, if you disobeyed an order and you were successful in what you did, you were a hero. Yeah. Today, uh, question. today that wouldn't happen. I'm yeah. Sorry for uh, trying to uh, cut you off accidentally. Uh, question I had about, uh, maybe, again, this might just be my ignorance of, of how things worked. Did it? It seemed to me like Hart, uh, Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck were like specially chosen for this mission. Yeah, and then all of their friends are also there. It seems yeah. like is is that's it? How, that's how that's like, how the military works. You get to bring your buddies with you. That's what that's what I'm asking because none of the um, well, if you remember, like if 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 Affleck is, is chosen to fly as a pilot in this mission. Who's who's his uh his 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 second? Is it Michael Shannon or is it the uh, is it Red? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Red is. I think it was Red. Red is is Ben Affleck's co-pilot. Now, if he's chosen for this special mission, would he have been given an opportunity to select his second, or is that something that would have been assigned from somebody else that was specially chosen for the mission? They might have given him a a say, or his opinion might have been asked. Hmm. Like and like Doolittle said, at that point, those two were the only two pilots who had who combat had, experience. Had combat experience. Yeah. Um, I had a I I it was I I like when I watch the movies that we cover, and I I make a note of something, and then like two seconds later in the movie, the thing I just made a note about like happens. Like they, um, I, for instance, in the when we uh, covered Godzilla, I made a joke about Hank Azaria and his wife. Um, having a uh, three-way with uh, the former girlfriend of uh, Matthew Broderick. And then two seconds later in the movie, Hank Azaria makes a, a threesome joke about it. Um, in my notes, I wrote, there, 
the thing that the Japanese are the, the artillery that the Japanese are firing at the uh, at the planes, they appear to just ex- explode, not even on impact. They just get to a certain altitude and explode. Um, and they, they back then they had a thing called flak, and that's exactly what happened. It just got to a certain point and then exploded. Shoot them in the general direction of the aircraft, and it would explode. And hopefully, the uh, concussion and the explosion, the shrapnel and everything else, would bring the plane down. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a grenade, like because the explosion isn't like the the bad isn't the 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 serious part of the grenade. It's the shrapnel, right? Like, like in movies, like uh, someone uh, throws a grenade and like thirty pe- people get thrown thirty feet. That doesn't really happen in real life. Like the explosion depends of on, the, of the grenade isn't powerful enough. But like depends on the type of grenade. That's true. But um, in my note, I was like, if it seems to be that they're just exploding, like in like at a certain level, so why don't they just go a little bit higher? And then two seconds after oh, I said that, oh, they, they do. do. And I was like, oh, okay, they, they, they understand what's happening. <laughs> uh, to jump back a little, I, like, just this talking about explosives reminded me of a question I had while watching the movie. Going back to the attack scene, what was the type of uh, bomb or torpedo, or I'm, I'm, uh, that's mostly my question, that was when, when the Japanese were attacking the airfield and uh, a a weapon drops in uh, oh it, it lands right right in the little bunker and the guy says it's a dud and then the thing stops spinning what is that exactly the fuse that's the fuse itself no, well, the, what, what type of explosive is it a tor- is it a I don't know it's it an aerial bomb yeah okay and so the thing spinning exactly what is because it the way it spins it, it that's why I mentioned a torpedo it, it makes me think of a Torpedo Propel- yeah. in the water needing uh, propelling. The, right. That that wasn't propelling the bomb. The bomb was dropping. That was the fuse. That the, the that activated the fuse. So I'm assuming the fuse. I'm su- I'm assuming the bombs. The reason he thought it was a dud is because it hadn't exploded when it hit the ground. Right. So I'm assuming right. that those bombs are meant to be dropped from a higher altitude to incorporate a longer fall time. Was it a timing thing, or is it like a? Is it like, because um, my first instinct when I'm hearing, thinking of a thing spinning and then when it's done spinning, it explodes, makes me think it's some sort of pull mechanism where it spins and wraps a, a pull string of some sort. Maybe. And then once it pulls to completion, that's like it pulls it out and that's what explodes. Similar to like when you pull a pin on a grenade. Is that I, an, I'm, at all I don't, I'm not sure how they work. Hmm. Hmm. Um. I'm curious. So, they there's the whole thing where with the Doolittle raid, where they have to launch early because there's a there's a patrol boat that that's giving away their location. Right. Um. So they have to make the planes even lighter, so they can add more fuel to make it the extra mileage now that they have to uh, cover. Oh, and also the lighter the aircraft, the more the less fuel it uses. Yeah. Um. So my question is, how do – so at a certain point, they, they, they run out of fuel, and they essentially – they have to crash land. Yeah. How do, how do gliders work? Because, like, I've heard stories an – air, An airplane can glide. I've heard stories of um, – Isn't that effectively what happened with um, – With Sully? 
Yeah. Sully. He, he, they're playing King Glide. But like they're they're it like, seems it seems with them they just like it's su- it, I mean I mean then again like you're always crash landing. Um at a certain point like it just seems like that it would they be able to bring it down smoother. I assume with enough time and distance. I always hear in movies um I always hear in movies when people are like landing planes that they're coming in too fast. Um, it like when it, when they're when they're essentially when they're crash landing. What? Why? Why does no one put down their their landing gear? Like, would the landing gear even help? Well, if it's coming too in fast, in a situation like, like that, the no. force. Yeah, if it's coming in too remember, fast, then the force coming down would be too strong. They're to out support of gas. The... The, if the propellers aren't so they they have no power. That's to pilot the aircraft really you could just guide it and hope you mm-hmm. hit a soft spot so they probably don't even have the capability i'm assuming it's like a like a car engine where the engine turning kind of also turns the alternator which charges all the electrical um stuff in the car is it the same way with the planes or like they might not even have the power and the capability of lowering their um <laughs> today or, or then 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 no once you lost once you, your engine stopped, you had no more lift, and once you have no more lift, the plane drops out of the sky. No, no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the. I was saying, um, like, without the engines, would they? Would they? If they ran out of fuel, would they even have the capability of, um, of lowering the air, uh, lowering the the landing gear to to do anything? But I don't even know. <laughs> um, I yeah, I, just, I know because I, I I know I've heard stories of like planes significantly larger than the planes that they're flying being brought down relatively smoothly in that same situation. I know there was a, uh, a famous one. Um, I remember d- uh, dad was watching something at my house the one time about it. It was about a, it was like a Canadian airliner that uh, I think it was like traveling from the States to Canada or Canada to the States or something like that. And there was something that got messed up with the fuel where it was measured in um, standard and not metric or something like that. So the plane ended up losing, like the plane ended up uh, hitting, hitting empty mid flight. Oh, I remember. I remember that one. That was uh, air disaster. Yeah. A show on, on uh, the Smithsonian. I would assume like a, like a, like an airliner is and that was substantially larger than. That was because they miscalculated the weight of the plane. Oh, okay. They, if you remember, it was a hockey team that was being transported, and they had all the hockey equipment and everything else, and they didn't take all of that into account when they figured the weight. When oh, they I decide how part. much fuel they're going to take, yeah, they, it, it's based. Part of it is based on the weight of the plane. I know. In so, um, I learned when I was going through EMT school, um, they're specifically talking about if a patient, a critical patient, has to be flown. Um, the weight of the weight of the patient is 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 taken heavily into account, um, yeah. which is why a lot of the times you see uh, helicopter like medic uh, flight medics in there like on the smaller side because it's all it's all weight based. The heavier the aircraft, the more fuel it's going to use. Yeah, because it takes more power to keep it in the air. Uh, Zach, I think you were you kind of chimed up, but then we shot you back down. 
Pun, pun, uh, pun no, intended. I, I, um, I had a weird. What's what the hell is that thing? What is the thing that they tie to Josh Hartnett when they after I, the, like after the plane is shot down and they're taken prisoner? Yoke? They tie the like they tie the yoke thing to to. Is oh, it specifically yeah. just to make it difficult to run away? Yeah, and to it, yeah, because there's got to be easier ways of doing that than lugging that big ass thing around. They, you think they care? Well, Zach, did you just say it's the forties? Yeah, <laughs> it's the forties. They had no idea how of easier ways to to apprehend people. Like they, if <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, they um they tie Ben Affleck's feet up and they drag him by his feet. Okay, uh, so like, why didn't they just just <laughs> just do that? Instead of lugging around what I'm assuming is at least a like a fifty pound block it does of wood, seem, it does seem laborious to in, in terms of traveling as a a military unit. You're like you're you're taking stock of all your your supplies, and you're like, all right, we have all our guns, we have the ammo. Do we have the <laughs> do we do we have the big old thing to put on somebody's shoulders when we capture people? Yeah, I I, I get your point. Do we, got, do we got that big ass four, like six by six block of wood? Cool. We're good to go, guys. Um, um, if I could ask you a question. I, I'm having trouble coming up with an answer for this myself. Uh, getting back to uh, stepping away for a moment from the history and the, the military just, aspect. Just going strictly the, for the romantic the movie, side of it. No, no, I'm, I'm done uh, with that. I'm, I, I, I don't want to waste any more time <laughs> thinking about the, the romantic subplot of this movie. Um I, in my opinion, is is Josh Hartnett horribly miscast in this movie? Like, is this not the like? Were they attempting to make him something that he wasn't? I don't know. I feel like. And but before you answer, side question: Ashton Kutcher was up for this movie as well in that for role. the role of Danny. Yeah, I think what the what the issue is is that. Is that he whispers these? Uh, like, Josh Hartnett is always in in his roles. Josh Hartnett has always kind of been like he's he. I don't know if Josh Hartnett is like leading man material. They were, but that's what my point. Are they trying to make? And, and I think that? that's what they're trying to do. But I don't think I just. But and then it's weird that they're. And I think it's also just hard, like being up such a like against a, ju- a juggernaut of like of hot and cold acting like Ben Affleck. Like it's, 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 it does seem sort of weird. Like, I don't know what they're, what they're trying to do with him. Cause he's always well, seemed like is- he's, he's always been like, like a just outside of the ability to, to carry a movie solely. Let me ask you this question. Cause I, I've been trying to come up with the answer to this, but I haven't been able to, if they make this movie today, who plays Ben Affleck's role who? and who plays Josh Hartnett? Um, because I, I, I just thinking just now, I f- think I finally landed on who would play Josh Hartnett. Who's that? Zach Efron. I could see, I could see Zach Efron playing because he's like the younger. Um, but, but here's the here's a, another problem with it. They're supposed to be contemporaries, yeah. They're supposed to be like childhood friends, yeah. and at this point, Affleck is eight nine years older than than Josh Hartnett, which is another reason I feel like it was miscast. Like, they didn't even take into account the fact that they're, like, a, almost a decade 
apart in age, but they're supposed to be childhood friends. Yeah. Who would be who would be the Affleck? I don't they probably get because at this point in Affleck's career, Josh had and gone... Rafe had, were ten years apart. I mean uh Josh and Ben were ten years apart. Danny yeah, not, Rafe, not the character. Rafe. Danny and Rafe are supposed to be contemporary like childhood friends. You're just saying why why would they the why would they age. I mean they, the the age the age of the actors is doesn't I've I've come to the conclusion it just does not matter. I sent Zach but a thing the, the other thing day is, of Affleck, the guy who played Lenny in Greece. Like that guy is supposed to be a teenager. He is clearly fifty seven years old. But like, <laughs> the problem is, it, it it doesn't necessarily matter. But when like, but when they're supposed to be like Affleck is is obviously older than Harnett. Like just. By looking yeah. at them, Josh Hartnett is a baby-faced. Like you could imagine that he's just of military age and and ready to go to war. And Affleck would have been in his late twenties at that point. Like at this point, Affleck had done Armageddon. He had done Goodwill Hunting. He had done Chasing. He'd done all the 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 uh, Days of Confuse. He he he'd been at it for a while. Hartnett like really was only just coming onto the scene. So who would be the Affleck? guy if you were to cast it i wrote down christian bale i don't know if that's the right answer in in my head i would probably try to cast it closer i don't know why but i just want to say ryan gosling but <laughs> you know what that's i it. think it would be it would be ryan gosling and i Zach mean like because that because i think that's also what they're going for they're going for they're going for 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 young handsome hollywood and and I mean, in today's day and age, you can't get more young, handsome Hollywood than Zac Efron and Ryan Gosling. I, I think it goes back to the point that this movie was trying so hard to be a classic yeah. movie. Every movie is. Mm, so, no, no, not like yeah, this. I feel like this... I'm. This movie was was trying to be, this you know the only movie I, that immediately comes to mind is uh, the post I don't know if you remember that movie came out a few years ago oh, I remember you referencing it, it um... yeah it was directed by Steven Spielberg it had Tom Hanks in it it had Meryl Streep in it it was about the Pentagon Papers it was it was made to be an Oscar movie and I feel like not necessarily Oscar. But this movie was along those same lines. We're going to cast the hottest, the, the hottest young talent, the biggest names. We're going to go all out, and it just kind of just missed. Yeah. I mean, shit. Forty minutes of it were dead on, but yes, yeah, again, <laughs> this is this is two hours and twenty minutes away from being a, a, a great yeah. movie. I was just curious of what um what do you think what do you guys what was the, what what do you think the budget was for this movie? Well, that's easily we can find that out. In a second. Oh, I'm saying without without looking, you cheater. Hundred and hundred forty. Opening it? weekend, it did fifty nine million, and then gross in the uh in the U.S. Uh, in the U.S. it grossed um uh just under two hundred million. Well, that's the thing. Like, I can't imagine. When did this movie come out? 2001. Okay, so it came out May of 2001. Um, so, Which was 20 years ago. Yeah. 
So it, about, I think, yeah. I think honestly, if this movie had come out a little bit later in 2001, it would have done better. Just based on the, the, the surge of patriotism. That's what I, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like I'm like, it's surprising that a movie about such a key, um, it's a movie, a movie about such a key event in American history starring two of the young hottest like not just two of the three of the young hottest actors like it's got it's got Josh well, Hartnett and Kate it's Beckinsale. got yeah it's got Josh Hartnett and I Ben don't... Affleck for the for the ladies and it's got Kate Beckinsale for the guys this movie made me realize that I just don't think I like her in general yeah. like not just in this, this movie is... like she's fine in this movie she's in general she's she's not like she's not offensive in this movie like the uh the Godzilla yeah. girl but but I, I, just, I just, she just doesn't do anything. Is it because she's me. British? That's yeah. probably it. Um, probably. I um, I had the the I had uh, the last two notes. I the, my last three notes um, about the movie. When they come, when they land, and um, they're all coming off the plane, it seems like the only body they brought back was Josh Hartnett's. Okay. In, in, in that's forgive me for like again. I, I, I watched from the beginning of. The, I, I admittedly because it's a three-hour movie, and I have young children and things going on. I didn't watch it in one sitting. So, um, but I did watch. I believe from the uh the beginning of the the uh, taxi, like where I where I talked about where with the Japanese preparing. Mm-hmm up through pretty much the end. It, not necessarily one continuous thing, but over the course of maybe, you know, an extra 20, 25 minutes more than the runtime. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I just, I couldn't pay attention after the taxi. <laughs> so I don't even remember if they even show other people dying. They, I mean, I mean, in, in the they, a, a multiple, I'm like, uh, I think... I feel like like a lot of they show a lot of people dying, um, especially like with the crashes and everything. And now I'm assuming that in this in this type of situation, like how high of it, how high of a priority is it, of it is it to to gather to gather the dead? Very important. So it it's so they would definitely so they would definitely be bringing back. More yeah, but than... Josh Hartnett was the main character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All those Again, other guys got killed. Effect. Yeah. They it's came a, back to... I'm sure but... they all. <laughs> they could have unloaded a hundred dead bodies off the plane after That's they true. showed Josh Hartnett, but we're not focusing on those hundred dead bodies. We're, we just care about Josh Hartnett. Um. So, after the raid, um, Ben, they come back. Ben Affleck, um, Ben Affleck, uh, uh, uh tells. Uh, Josh Hartnett as he's dying that he's that he can't die because he's going to be a dad and that um, hashtag Father's Day and um, <laughs> the uh, so after Josh Hartnett dies Ben Affleck and Kate Beckinsale get back together and um, they raise Josh Hartnett's son oh, t- t- sorry to interrupt real quick um, is it how how I'm trying to figure out the way to word it. Does, does Ben Affleck know that Josh Hartnett's dying? He has yeah, to, right? Yeah, he's got it. He 
He specifically been, looks down at him. He specifically looks down at his torso yeah. and sees that he's got two bullets so through the he chest. He knows for sure that he's yeah. dying. Is it a dick move to tell him about the, the kid at that point? <laughs> I would say no, because the bo- your body can do weird shit. Like, like mm. the will to live can, can, can keep you going, and like, I feel like, longer than it should. But long enough to he's he's shot yeah, up. But not not. I mean, who who that who knows? I mean, again, this this is a question you'd have to be inside the character's mind to, to yeah know how dire you realize the situation is. But if you are Ben Affleck's character and you know Josh Hartnett's dying, is the right thing to do to tell him that he's going to be a dad and knowing that he's going to die so the the last thought that possibly goes through Josh Hartnett's mind is I have a son that I'm never going to see did you hear what Josh Hartnett's reply to that was he says you can't die because you're going to be a dad and then Josh Hartnett says Wait, no Josh Hartnett you said, are no you are so regardless of what Josh Hartnett's regardless of what Josh Hartnett's response is I'm talking about like now solely, I I because just as easily Josh Hartnett could have gone Oh, that sucks, and then died. So I think, I think what it boils down to, like the Ben Affleck's uh, motive for for telling him, I it, it kind of boils down to like why, um, who was the king? His who... motivation was friend to live, and he was clutching his straws, and he was going to say or do anything he could that could possibly make his friend live. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like that, like giving, like giving somebody that thing to fight for is, 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 it, it does a lot. Like I, I was, I, when I used to work moving patients around, around the hospitals, there's, there'd be days where the first thing I would do coming in at seven o'clock in the morning would be to move a patient to hospice. And before I left for that day at 7 PM, I was moving that same patient to the morgue because the second I put them in hospice, they just gave up like their body just their body knew like that they that that was it so they 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 just you know they called it quits so given giving some i think that's what his his like dad said he's 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 going to say or do anything he can to keep his buddy alive and i think that's what he was going for is he was Fair giving enough, him can, trying to give that him that reasoning. will to live no, i can see that reasoning i just uh, or not the will to live but giving him that thing to fight for i mean if you're if i mean uh, Again, I can see your reasoning, but I just, if he's that shot up, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I don't know what I would do in any of the situation in any of this movie, to be honest no. with you. But, um, um, did, did you have any uh, more points you wanted yeah, to Yeah, I just had the, the last thing. I've noticed it in movies before. Um, the last scene of the movie is Ben Affleck flying with little Danny in the, 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 the crop dusting plane. Um, mm-hmm. And the planes have two cockpits. And it seems like if you're the only person in the plane, you sit in the back cockpit. If that's where the controls are, it's because I've I've noticed it a lot. Like I feel like in this Ben, in the at the end of this, Ben Affleck is sitting in the back seat of the plane with the kid flying the plane. In um in Indiana Jones, when he jumps into the the when he jumps into his buddy's plane. What is it? It's the beginning of that's it, in uh, in Raiders when he jumps into his buddy's plane and is it Raiders or is it Last Crusade? No, it's sounds it's Raiders. Like, no, it sounds like um, Raiders. He jumps into the plane and there's the snake in the plane. 
um, snakes on a plane. Um, he jumps into the fr- he jumps in, uh, Harrison Ford jumps into the front seat of the plane. No, he doesn't. Does he? I thought he did. No, he does because I specifically I remember him. I remember him looking back to yell at Reggie, saying, "There's a oh no, Reggie's the snake's name." He looks back to yell at his buddy that there's a snake in the plane. Adam, Adam. By the All time planes. we're done this podcast, you're going to stop confusing people with snakes. Hopefully, that's why we All started. planes weren't the same, weren't built the same. Yes, they were. No, I, it, it just, <laughs> I, I noticed that. Like, it seems like it, it just seemed like a weird thing to me to put the, to put the controls of the plane in the seat further back. Because if you have somebody else flying with you, then they're kind of in your way of like you're, they're in your, they're screwing with your line of sight. Because I know, like in movies now, like like in let let's let's go with the the documentary The Empire Strikes Back, uh, when <laughs> Luke and his buddy are flying, trying to wait, do... wait, wait, is that the one that chronicles the striking back of it the is, Empire? Yes. Um, okay. When in just trying to in, keep on like the in the Battle of Hoth, Luke's gunner is behind him. Hey, uh, God, sorry. Uh, this is after how many weeks, Adam, of consecutive weeks of uh, uh, this not is, having to cut at all? Th- I mean, I, I think I went three weeks in a row with literally three. just uh, just put it, dropping the audio into the thing and cutting off the yeah. first three minutes of like us talking about when we're going to start. Um, we had some. We screwed uh, up this some, time. Uh, it's some technological limitations that we uh, got right to the edge of, and it, it uh, been us. Yeah, we we forgot that. Um, I, I it happened on one of the other podcasts. I I can't remember which one it was. You know what though? I think that was after we had recorded. Yeah, it was it was after we had finished, so it, it wasn't an issue. But we have we have, we have a, a time frame that we're working in, and and if uh, we go past it, our app doesn't like it. But you know what? You know what I like. Anchor. Anchor. The fact that it's the fact yeah, it only gives you 120 minutes, but you know what? It's free. All of your editing and everything can be done in the app. And it's it's you know, it they distribute it to all of the major podcast players. And at the end of the day, the beginning of this episode, there's gonna be a three minute little clip that's you know, it makes us pennies, but it makes us those pennies are will add up eventually. I charge those pennies. Exactly. Um, uh, but unfortunately, we have gone too late. Yeah, we we for our father. We are currently at um we are currently at eleven o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, in uh, it's, it's on the standard. As uh, I was say, oh, we did. Um, I was like, did we ever say where we where we were from? But we did. We we were, yeah, we we've we've talked about. We're it. in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania um, area. Our dad has to 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 bow out. He, thank you for thank you, Dad. If you listen to this, for coming on, giving us your insight, your uh, this movie is about a bunch of Navy guys and an attack, and you gave us a bunch of insight into what a bunch of Navy guys would be able to do in this attack, and what a bunch of Navy guys with their training and all that. So you gave us valuable insight. I say those uh, those the one thing I I knew for sure is like if it if it wasn't going if the episode wasn't going to be super funny at least i would learn something because i knew dad would end up being the expert witness uh to uh to uh he would he would be our our pawn stars let me call an expert so 
I'm pretty. I'm, Adam, you have nothing left to touch on, right? No, I was just curious on why they. The, the only thing I had was why they would put the controls in the back seat of the plane instead of the front seat. And we'll never get an answer. We'll ne- we would never will. We'll never know what happens on Hoth with Luke and his buddy. Yeah, the last, the last. I just have two real quick. Uh, hey, it's that person. Uh, the one of the secretaries when Kit Beckinsale is listening to the raid mm-hmm. is Beth Grant. Who you might know from Donnie Darko as the um, Maggie Joan Hall. Yeah, she plays Maggie Joan. Beth Grant as Maggie Joan Hall. She's the the one that runs the dance troupe. She's in a oh, a she's in a of bunch stuff. of shit. Yeah, yeah, she's in everything. Uh, she's in it as a just, motherly secretary. Yeah. That's her her thing. And um, Eric Christian Olsen is in this as well. He's one of the people on the. I believe he, he dies during the raid. He's on the plane, one of the planes. Uh, he, um... Oh, he's, um... <laughs> I love this guy. He's in a bunch of shit, too. He's in Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. He's in, uh... He's fired up. More specifically, he's in Not Another Teen Movie where he ran a touchdown oh, yeah, he played, with a broken that, leg yeah. and a subdural hematoma. hematoma. <laughs> he's uh, most famous for... He's on one of those CBS dramas, either... It's not Hawaii Five O. It might be. <sighs> He's on NCIS Los Angeles. Is it? That's it. Yeah, with Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, that, that's all I had. Overall, not a good movie. No, I mean, forty minutes. I, I say good... we said it a few times. It's forty minutes of a really good movie and a two and two and a half hours two... of a shitty oh, movie. So... Yeah. Um. Hey, Adam. Yes. What you watching? Um. Uh. I as promised. Um, from the last podcast, I, uh, I, I went through and I watched 13 Reasons Why. In a day. In a day I watched it, yeah. Um, I got, so I, I got lucky and uh, my, my kids actually cooperated. So I pretty much just, uh, I watched it on my phone the whole day while, uh, while playing with them. And uh, while they were, you know, while my youngest was napping and while, my, while they were eating lunch and stuff, I was, I was watching 13 Reasons Why. Shit was bananas. <laughs> um, I don't know what I'm gonna watch now that I that I watch that. I think I might go back and I only I got about halfway through uh, Sons of Anarchy season four, so I think I might go back and finish that. I'm not 100 sure, but uh, but yeah, 13 reasons why. Um, if you haven't watched the final season, strap in and uh, <laughs> just just and suspend disbelief. Yeah, suspend disbelief. Suspend every. Fucking everything because it's it's bananas. Um, uh, what have you been watching, I'm watching Zach? I finished Thirteen Reasons Why. I finished The Last Dance. I'm on to uh, Lennox Hill, which is a Netflix docu series mm-hmm. about four doctors in a New York hospital. It's having worked in a hospital. It's it's specifically um, interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's good. Uh, one of the doctors is very unlikable. <laughs> um, but two of the doctors are very likable and the other one is, you know, there. It's a, it's a docu-series. So it's, it's legit. It's like real. What's, what's interesting is they they filmed eight episodes of it. Mm. We we're through six of the episodes, me and my wife, um, Given that it's in a New York hospital, that has different connotations now 
than when it was filmed because New York was an epicenter of COVID. Yeah. Um, they are releasing an episode this week, a ninth episode that specifically deals with how the doctors are handling the pandemic. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I thought it's going to be very interesting. Hmm. Uh, other than that, we started, um, I literally cannot remember the name of this show. It's the new Mark Ruffalo show on HBO. He has a new show on HBO. It's, it's, he, he plays twins. It's one of those things where oh. a guy plays. Um, Interesting. One is a schizophrenic and one is not a schizophrenic. <laughs> um, give me a second. When to find I, I say I, I have it. Um, I know this much is true. Yes, that's it. Uh, we watched the first episode. It's it was interesting. I'm. It's one of those things where you're interested to watch it to find out how they spread it out over six episodes. Yeah. Like it seems when you first <clears throat> hear the uh like the the plot uh, pl- idea, you you wonder how it's a six episode limited series and not a you know two-hour movie yeah so i'm interested to see where it goes after the first episode we've only watched the first we you know we have a lot of a lot of uh baby things going on so we yeah. it takes time to get to things um next week next week i'm super excited uh it's gonna get a little spicy yeah it's gonna get uh i mean you could say you could say that we're going to spice up your life if you will we're gonna we're gonna do Spice World. We're gonna have. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go from one nonsensical, shitty romance story, to just a non a whimsical, nonsensical farce around England with the Spice Girls. If you listened to this episode and thought, "Well, it was a little too serious, a little too not poking fun at a movie." Well, guess what? Next episode. This is going to be a movie where an alien fills up Scary Spice. Next week, there's going to be an episode where Meatloaf drives a bus. <laughs> I was actually talking about today because that is that Meatloaf has the best line in that whole movie. Knowing that it's Meatloaf, because I didn't know who Meatloaf was when I first saw that movie. <laughs> Knowing who Meatloaf is, Meatloaf has the best line in that whole movie. I think I know which one you're, you're, you're referencing, but save it. Yeah. Um, um, I... I do want to say in the coming weeks, we've got some exciting things going on. Uh, we, me and Adam, I have, the, I have the list. Um, we have, if you if you're, uh, if you're trying to go that in depth, I have, the no, list. I'm not going to go that in depth. Okay. Probably keep the, keep, people keep, people, people guessing, for more. people guessing. Um, sometimes like, me and Adam are flying by the seat of our pants, picking movie to movie. Sometimes we plan it out in a couple weeks in advance. We've actually planned it out. So we're currently uh, this, almost this, ten, like almost ten weeks in advance, this, right? This, like two and a half months. This episode is episode eight. We have all the way up through episode eighteen planned. Uh, we're gonna try something interesting in uh, two weeks. Uh, we, we're not sure of the movie yet, but we're gonna try something. If it works out, we might, you know, make it a regular thing. We're gonna do a live watch where. Instead of watching the movie and then talking about it, we're going to watch the movie simultaneously while we're talking, while we're about, talking about it and recording. Um, uh, we haven't found the the right movie just yet. We're working on it. Uh, we know next week's Spice World, and we got a couple weeks after that. We got some quality movies 
coming up. Um, cause I feel like we've, we've gone just through, we're waiting through a bunch of shit. Yeah. We had Godzilla. We had Pearl Harbor, which is 40 minutes of a good movie. Next week is, uh, Academy Award winner for best picture Spice World. Who knows what we're going to watch after that, but then we're going to get into some, some solid stuff. Um, I think the live watch is going to be fun. I think everything else after that is going to be fun. Um, I, 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 I don't want to say specifically what it is, but um, I said we have uh, up to episode 18 planned. Uh, towards the end of that, uh, we are going to be covering our first bit of television. Uh, we're going we're we're to branch uh, out of the silver another... screen and go to the small screen. Yeah, we're going to take it. We're going to do not only is, is it going to be a uh, our first delve, delve into television, we're going to do our first multi, uh, multi-part episode. Yeah, and um, we're also going to have another guest at some point. Um, uh, in, in the in the near future, we're going to have we're going to have a uh, another guest coming to join us. Um, hopefully, the audio doesn't cut out and he decides to leave us um, as well. <laughs> if he does, uh, I'll be uh, well. I'll be truly, truly saddened. Um, but yeah, but I'd like to say thank you, everybody listening. Adam, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, Zach. Happy Father's Day, happy- Dad, if you're listening. Happy Father's uh, Day to all the dads out there. And, uh, you know, thank you to our troops. Yeah. At the end of the day, this was a movie about a lot of people that really, unfortunately, passed away in a terrible incident. I would say a, two, the, the number is 2,403 Americans were killed. 1,178 were wounded. More than half, almost half of the people that died their bodies were forever entombed in the ship that they went down with. So as always, thank you to our, our servicemen. Thank you to the servicemen of the past. Thank you to the servicemen of the future. Thank you to those who are listening right now. Happy father's day. Stay safe. Thank you. I mean, it seems kind of, uh, it seems kind of to lame to say it now, but follow us on Twitter. Oh yeah, summer movie. Uh, clue. Follow us on Twitter. So, so, uh, thank you to those who follow us on Twitter. Yeah, a summer movie clue. CLU one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but more, right. to more. Thank the troops. Um, because you, troops. because they without them, you know, they they do what they do, so we can do dumb shit like talk about the movie Pearl Harbor, you know, and and be able to. So, thank you to everybody who's who served, who's who's paid that final price. Um, our dad was is is a veteran himself, so uh, double thanks to him specifically for that. Um, but yeah, Zach, again, happy Father's Day, everybody. Be safe, be healthy. We'll see you next next week for uh, for Spice World. I'm uh, just a spoiler. I'm planning on a Ziggas again. Oh, you're gonna you you're gonna tell me what you want, what you really really want. Oh, I just did. It's a Ziggas. It's a Ziggas Okay, I got you. Thanks, guys. All right. See. You.